Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Joe Avella at Joe Avella on Twitter. And we were just bumping to uh, Nine Inch Nails' Head Like a Hole. Classic. Classic song from a classic record. Yeah, I had the... Pretty Hate Machine. Yes, I had the pleasure of seeing Nine Inch Nails uh, this week on Monday night at a very small venue at Webster Hall, one of their last shows before they renovate and get bought by like Live Nation or something. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, a small con- in regards to like what Nine Inch Nails can do. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails could probably, you know, fill MSG, but they played this small show the Webster night. Webster Hall, what do you think, 2000? Something like that. It's like a mid size yeah. venue. Uh, but they headlined Panorama Music Festival the night before, Sunday night. I was going to go. I had all plans to go, but mm-hmm. then I remembered, oh, that's the exact weekend that you planned your New Orleans trip, Brett. So that's where I was. Oh, they're going to talk about New Orleans. I want to hear about yeah. it. Yeah. So I was there, but then I was at the airport Monday morning, just happened to be scrolling through Twitter at, I think it was uh, like 8.58 New Orleans time, Mm -hmm. and I saw a tweet from Brooklyn Vegan, great account to follow if you are into music in New York. Shout out to BV. Uh, And they tweeted out a link saying, hey, tickets for a secret surprise Nine Inch Nails show go on sale in two minutes, Mm -hmm. and then I had to find my way way to the code, the pre-sale code. I got it. So by like, you know, 10.01 or 9.01, I guess, in New Orleans, I was ready. Uh, I had my tickets and I, I basically just la- landed in time to make the show because it's not really easy to get from New York to New Orleans for some reason. I, t- I had to take like two flights. Yes, connecting flight. That happened with our uh, wedding. Most people had to get a connecting flight. Yeah, I got stuck in Nashville on the way there for like hours because you my couldn't leave the airport delayed. though, could you? No, but the airport had two different craft beer bars that were local, so I had a great time. They know. I think Nashville and um, Atlanta. Our yeah. two big airports were like, if you're going from north to south, you got to stop there for some point. Joe is staring at a Facebook Live on his phone. That is a, it's a faux CNN logo, I think, on it. Yeah, and it's supposed right. to show, it's a, it's basically like if Orson Welles, he's the one who did the War of the Worlds, right? Yeah, it's a Facebook Live <laughs> where it says, and it is actually Facebook Live, although quick side note, you can hack. You can do anything on it. You yeah, can Facebook put, Live. You, re- can, you can put recorded video you on You can Facebook stream Live. there. So what I'm making it look like is this uh, almost a War of the Worlds style Alien invasion, these giant um How does it come machines. on your feed? Why are you how Oh, did, someone shared it and I just saw it. And like and like right now. <laughs> did, they like, it, did they share it genuinely? Are they scared? No, I don't think so. No, uh, dude, is this how the world is? No, but it's uh I mean it's it's hovering around sixty six thousand people are watching it at once. It's up to seven million views. It's pretty clever. Like I mean, looking at it for more than two seconds, it's like, oh, it looks kinda cheesy, but it's funny like scroll past it in like a Facebook live to be like Breaking news, alien invasion. I wonder what it's supposed to be uh I think it's probably just Trying to get views to see how much they can do. Oh, you yes. think like this is real? Is because it's off a page called "This Is Real." <laughs> <laughs> nice name, guys. But one thing—that's like when Trump says there's no chaos in the White House. You're like, yeah. uh, I think there might be some chaos. I'm wondering if the whatever this uh, <laughs> this Facebook page is trying to make a a, a play for uh, getting a lot of uh, subscribers to so just put this in. Because I, I as I'm looking at this, it's been going on for a few minutes and it already. This better? Yeah. It already looks like it's kind of on repeat. Like, yep, I've seen this part already. Yeah, so I this think is bullshit. I think it's pretty clever for them to just make like a six-minute thing and then play it nonstop for however long you can do it. And hopefully that it 
picks up some followers. Nice little hack they came up there with. Anyway, oh, I was going to say is that on the uh, on the comments for on the Facebook Live, all those people are like, this is fake. <laughs> really? We're not getting invaded by aliens? You think more people would be talking about this? Yeah, why Why yeah. is this Facebook feed from yeah. This Is Real the only thing I'm seeing? Yeah, you think other people would have picked up on the story by now, but I guess not. Oh, boy. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about the Dark Tower. Oh, yeah, the Dark Tower is here. And, uh, you suffered through it. I did not. I also, did. we're getting a phone call later from... Yeah, uh... Birth, Stephen King, who? No, <laughs> Birth Movies Deaths news editor uh, Scott Wampler is going to join the show. What up, Wamps? He has been a very vocal. Uh, he's a big Dark Tower fan, big Stephen King fan. He's been tweeting about it for years. Um, I know he has a lot of history with the. He knows the history of the project. He has a good history himself with the book. Uh, so I want to just pick his brain about it. He mm-hmm. also was one of a handful of journalists or movie journalists. I think maybe like five or six of them. The studio, which is a sure sign your movie sucks. Mm-hmm. The studio the day before the movie came out, which again the movie screened on Wednesday night and they didn't allow the, the reviews out until Thursday morning. The another, embargo, baby. another sign of confidence. I saw Garassi, uh former guest uh, Jason Garasio. Around the office, uh, yeah, I think it was actually Wednesday or Thursday, and, he, and I, he was talking about he was going to see it and the embargo and everything, and I'm like, this is going to be bad. Yeah, it's this terrible. It's going to be bad. It's definitely bad, uh, but Scott was taken by the studio. I think they flew him to New York first, and then flew him to like Banger, Banger Maine, crazy. and took him on this like little Stephen King tour. Stephen King was involved, so he, he got to interview Stephen King, so he had this little dream Stephen King day before seeing the movie, <laughs> so we'll see if that affected his review at all, Yeah, which the studio sure hoped it would. Um, but yeah, we're excited to talk about that. I saw a bunch of other movies. Um, what else? What else we got to do? How was uh, your week? Let's see. Week was great. Uh, I want to yeah, hear about before before we get into the uh, what we were up to this week. Um, I did not get a chance to see the Dark Tower because money's still kind of tight, and also also last, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was just like, I can't justify spending twenty dollars on this movie that I know is just gonna be bad. Yeah. Um. So mostly watched a bunch of stuff on Shutter and um. Caught up on a few shows like American Gods, which we can talk about. Uh, Is it sh- over? Are you caught up? No, no, no. I'm okay. not caught up. Uh, watched a few things on Shutter, including a couple Shutter exclusives. Uh, one called, I believe it's called Lake Mongo. I'll look it up before. Oh, dude, I, I've heard of that. Like Mongo. It's like a German film, I think. Yeah. And also, I watched a little bit of We Are the Flesh and HBO's Defiant Ones, which is not a horror movie, but I enjoyed that a lot. And speaking of secret shows, I got to see The Liars on Thursday, which was really awesome. One of my favorite bands played at Alphaville, a venue no, not much bigger than this uh, kitchen we're currently sitting wow. in. And uh, when I saw it on uh, Thursday, because me and Tim were supposed to get, get together to write our show, so you sent me a link on Brooklyn Vegan that just says, secret show, they're not saying who it yeah, is. I didn't say it's anything. It's $10 at Alphaville. And Alphaville's so small, I, don't, I think... It's a bar with a back room. I think the back room could only fit like maybe 200 people. It's super small. And it's not like a music venue. It's like clearly... It's just like a restaurant, They right? turn into a bar. Yeah. Not even a restaurant. They turn into a bar and just like there's like a back room that might have been storage at some point that they turn into a quote venue. It's, it's totally sure. like, like makeshift music venue. And I originally was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. The place is around the corner from where I live. It's a, it's a two minute walk. Okay. So when I got home... My friend Tim was like, can't can't hang out tonight. And this was like at 6.50 at this point. So I'm like, oh. One of those times when someone cancels plans. You're yeah, like, just like right at yeah. the last second. So I'm like, okay. Like, I'll just, yeah. And I'm thinking like, well, let's go to this Alphaville thing and see what's going on. And when I look to go buy the tickets, they announced it's the Liars. And of course, it's sold out. Love the Liars. Wanted to see it super bad. Been to Alphaville. So I know it'd be like, like almost like sitting in a rehearsal. Yeah, it's, it's not so like they tight. have like bouncers there. Yeah. Exactly. So I go there, and I know it's a it's a it's a functioning bar with a back room. So I can at least walk into the place. Yeah, like one beer, please. Yeah, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some cash. I'm just gonna start walking. And the second someone stops me, I'll be like, Look, twenty, thirty bucks, just let me in. 
Yeah. So I go there right when it's set- starting. Like as I walk in, I hear the first song going, and people are like leaving the bar to go back in there. So I just walked in with people, didn't pay anything. There was, <laughs> there was no one at the door. So I just walked right in. I walk in. I'm like, That's well, that was. I'm so, and, and let me let me put it this way. I did not break stride from the from my apartment to the stage. Man, that is that's the thing though. My buddy, who's probably a listener, uh, Zach Tabloom, uh, he used to run a website called Festival Crashers, and that literally they oh, would shit. just pull shit like this. Oh my god! To the point where I I'm on the website, and I think 2008 or nine, getting into Lollapalooza for free, and I did it. Like we he right. documented the whole thing. How'd you do it? Uh, so he got in. He tried to just rush the gate, and he got caught. Yeah. Uh, then like we Vic just Mensa. Right, right. I could climb a bridge. That's right. Um, and then we, so we tried every entrance and got denied, basically. Sure. And to the point where just we trying were, to walk right in. Yeah, we were just perimeter. We walked the perimeter of the festival to the point where we saw like where the vendors were going in. Yep. And then uh, we just like followed one guy. Had we we both had like because they were like you know people are handing out shit all the, all over the place outside, uh, yeah. like just promos. So we had like fake. We had lanyards that said like Verizon Wireless on them. So like we just put them on as if they were like VIP and just like walked by this guy. And we were in. Like, I mean, don't you walked think, by a vendor tent? Don't we you in. think, considering at least in Chicago, like these festivals are like right in the middle of the city. Like yeah. you have to go out of your way to do it. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's they're, like they're lined by houses and stuff like that. Right. So you see those vendor entrances or people walking in. You could probably walk down to the corner store and buy like a case of bottled water for like six yeah, bucks. Yeah, just be like, hey, and hey. just put it on there and just like walk right in. Like here comes the guy with yeah, the water. Yeah, no. If you if you are confident about it and you find the right gap you're fine like yeah it's there are you know some overzealous security guards you won't get past there's some yeah. who don't give a shit and you just have to find that one you know also be a good one i thought of yeah is that if you hang around the perimeter long enough this is a little bit harder but if you can always kind of tell like the groups of teenagers kind of congregating outside yeah you're like they're gonna rush and they're gonna try and jump the yeah. fence if you see those kids all congregating find the nearest entrance near them and then when they go in security rushes to stop walk them right walk in, in. Yeah. i didn't get in for pitchfork for free one year but i have same thing oh yeah just walked right in well, we, <laughs> this was crazy like one year that we went there yeah, it was Pitchfork. It wasn't Riot Fest. Pitchfork, you know, has the entrances and you scan the ticket. And yeah. it was like Saturday during the day, the line to get... We got there early because we wanted to see, I think it was Twin Peaks. And we got there early and the line was like super long. And we're like, oh, you know, people show up show up early. Yeah. But it was taking. It was going so slow. So we finally got... It's like like ridiculously long, like like over an hour. We're like, this is weird how long it's taking. We finally get to the front and it turns out that the scanner things for the thing wasn't working for most people's things. And all these people are there being like, I paid it. This works. It worked yesterday. The, 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 it was very clear like the technology they used to get in it just wasn't broke, working. Yeah. And it was doing like every couple. So some people were getting it. It was going and some people weren't. And every time it didn't, people would stand there and be like, no, it's fine. It's valid. This is bullshit. And again, it's like it's like at this point, like dozens of people right. who are just like, well, clearly not dozens of people are walking up with bullshit tickets. Like this right. is ridiculous. So Mo and I go up there and of course our thing doesn't work. And we're, I'm like, I'm not fucking... And, and, and so we stand to the side. Yeah. Like, this is nonsense. You got to get someone to, to figure this out. So as it's kind of getting hot right there, and then yeah. there's some announcement like the only way you can work is if you go to like where the box office area is, uh, and then like basically manually again. do right. it or whatever, which would take all day. So he's sitting there being like, look, we know what to do. And, and then the lady's like, okay, you guys, if you didn't get scanned, you got to go there. And if you didn't get scanned, you're going to go. And, they, and they're like, kind of like go. And they turn to us and be like, did your scan work or not? And I go, yeah, ours worked. She's like, get in there. <laughs> and and Moe's like, wait a second. And I'm like, put my hand over my mouth. I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> We're going. Let's go. But I just think in the, like, we could have easily just had no tickets. And yeah. be like, did you, we're like, ours work. Can we go through? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I could tell stories like this all day. We won't. I'll do one more. But Sorry, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. were in a Peach Festival in Scranton, Pennsylvania last year. And we, 
luckily like a friend gifted us tickets. So, like, Festival talk. Yeah, we didn't need uh like we didn't need to sneak in. What happened was we got on a we parked, we got on the bus from the parking lot to the to the venue, mm-hmm. and we just got off the bus. And by the time you're off the bus, you're in the venue. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't show anybody anything. We're like we could have just hopped on this bus and got in there. Yeah, no, and it's and crazy. Some, yeah, at some point you're just like festivals are poorly run, is what we're saying, and you can sneak into them. The worst thing that can happen is being like, "Where's your <laughs> ticket?" To be like, "Fuck! Oh, yeah. I thought I had the oh." Yeah. Or even if you're like, "I was trying to sneak in." Well, leave then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I mean, when I didn't have my movie pass, I would sneak into movies here. It's very easy. Say you left your keys in there and get in. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're very dishonest people here at the New Flesh Podcast. Well, it's not, it's, you know, it's no skin off anyone's nose. Yeah. You know, it's not like, like someone had to stand because you got in there. No, it's you know? true. And most of these like festivals. It's a victimless crime. <laughs> it is a victimless crime. <laughs> sure. Uh, so how was New Orleans? Uh, it was great. All I did was eat. Yeah. And drink. What's some places you liked? Um, Cachone Butcher, as mm-hmm. everyone said. Uh, I went to a good shawarma place, actually. Oh, uh, Dat Dog. Mm-hmm. Dat Dog was Dat really dog, good. Yep. That got like an alligator sausage. And me hung out in the French Quarter a lot? Yeah, I hung out in the French Quarter. Went to some like tiki bar there that was like a fancy tiki bar. Really good food. Um, well, every- get the fucking, uh, get the fucking uh, slushies. The yeah, we got, we got giant, here. giant yeah. drinks. Went to an absinthe bar in an alley. Was it super hot there? Yeah, but it wasn't like oppressively hot. It uh, was just like pretty hot. And my friend had a pool, so nice. I got really burned. My How close did really your burnt. friend live to, say, the French Quarter? Uh, like a 10-minute drive. Drive? Drive. Blurg. Yeah, we took you Ubers c- everywhere. You c- oh, okay, I guess that's fine. Because yeah. you couldn't take the trolley? Uh, I don't think the trolley goes Did you go walk around? He Ma- lives in the Irish something huh? or other, Magaz- Irish Channel. Magazine Street? On Magazine Street. Magazine's dope, right? Yeah, he lives on Magazine in Louisiana. Oh, okay. I know exactly where that's at. Yeah. Our, uh, our right ma- by Dat Dog. You know where Dat Dog yes, is? It's yes, right yes, next to it. Yeah, I was, we were right by there. Uh, also went My to- My wedding pa- venue was right by there? Did you go to Parasol and get Maybe. the Firecracker Po' Boy? I don't believe so. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, so right, but you go there, you're like, this is the best, right? Yeah, it's awesome. You see, you, you see how like you could a person could just live there and like, uh, live f- li- like that's one of the few cities where like you could be like a starving artist and have an amazing life. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like my friend, uh, who's a teacher there, mm-hmm. I was at, staying with him. He has like a, what I would call a mansion of a house. Yeah, that he pays less than I pay for that room. Yeah, well, way less. I'm sure. Way less. Yeah, mortgage, so yeah. it's like, it's crazy. great. I mean, when we went down there for our wedding, both times Mo and I have gone down there, we've been like, we should probably just move here. And of course we haven't. But yeah, then when, our, when we have a wedding and like I would say almost probably like 60 to 70% of the people who came to our wedding had never been to New Orleans before. And they were all like, God, I wish I lived here. This is amazing. <laughs> is it always like this? We're like, yeah, it's always like yeah. this. Because like it's so cheap to live. It's so much fun. You can just like, you, there's a party every you night. You can throw a parade if you want. Yeah. Any bar has a live band in it and great food and great drinks. And you just walk around. It's just, it's just cool. It's just like, it's so laid back and fun. Yeah. Love New Orleans. Cool. Uh, here we are in New York. Sweaty, gross, disgusting New York. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, do you have some bits and pieces pulled up? Uh, yeah, I think I do. All right. Uh, I don't have any. <laughs> cool. Wait, we sent each other some stuff. Yeah, I got it. Don't worry. I wanted you to do the theme. Oh, yeah, right. So we're going to get right into bits and pieces. And that's the theme song. Gonna get into bits and pieces. <laughs> that might be the one. Gonna uh, get into bits and pieces. Yeah, we're keeping that. Okay. Um, uh, after two years, <laughs> after a little over a year and a half, the bits and pieces theme has been solidified. And we're going to get into bits and pieces. <laughs> so annoying. Um, you actually texted me angrily or DM'd me angrily about, about this new trailer that came out. Death Wish? Yeah. Mind-bogglingly bad. So Eli Roth, apparently. Eli Roth directed it, and it's written by Joe Carnahan. Who's Joe Carnahan? He's the guy behind, like, Smoke and Aces, and he did uh, The Grey like Ray. The movie about the wolves. Oh, yeah. He's written a lot of stuff. He's very active on Twitter. He's supposed to be making the Bad Boys 3 movie, but he, I think he, I think it's not happening anymore with I him. I that already happened. There's only two? 
I guess where there was There's three. only two now. But he, I think, is directing like a, a American remake of, of, of The Raid now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying to think of what else he did. Oh, Smoke and Aces is what he's known for. Oh, and the movie Narc with uh, Ray Liotta, actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, that was all right. 2002. Yeah. He did The A-Team. <laughs> hey, dude's working. Good for him. Yeah, but uh, he wrote it and Eli Roth directed it. And it's a remake of, you know, the, the Charles, Charles Bronson, Bronson classic. But it looks <laughs> like it's taking a way different tone. It looks terrible. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's so, and what's irritating about it is apparently what has happened to Eli Roth in the past, I don't know how many years, because. I, mean, I think our first episode is me saying, Knock Knock is crazy and I liked it. And you're like, Knock Knock is the worst yeah, movie I've ever seen episode. in my life. It is really bad. <laughs> At some point, I don't know Eli Roth is aware of this and has probably vo- said it to other people or thought it or just kind of doesn't realize it's happening. Eli Roth, in some way, figured out that he is a terrible filmmaker, a terrible, just bad at really pretty much everything. <laughs> And he had that really good trailer for Grindhouse. And because of that, he fancies himself as a provocateur, making shocking movies. He likes to take credit for bringing torture porn type movies to America, although he totally did not. He likes to take credit for being, and he just, it just, his PR machine has worked overtime for people to think either in the Hollywood system and also in the world of things that this guy is like, um, makes like crazy movies, makes, uh, you know, uh, really like gory, intense, whatever types of movies. He doesn't. He's terrible. What he does is pick something, a topic or an idea that is so blatantly, obviously already polarizing and uses that already existing, I guess, polarization Pick something that already has people with very strong opinions that are fighting about it, both in real life and online, and makes a terrible movie about it, <laughs> knowing that people will spend months leading up to release of his movies arguing about the merits of it and basically projecting their own, what do you want to call it, feelings onto the thing, and it basically being the fuel for our existing fight. And he kind of pats himself up on the back being like, yeah, I'm just pushing the envelope. I'm a provocateur. I'm this and that. But what he really is is a terrible filmmaker. But he will never understand that because he'll never not do something like we did with Death Wish or pick an already uh, sensitive, uh, explosive topic and just make it about something he made for what it's probably going to be like another three months, right? Yeah. I mean, this movie is... It's an Dude, update it, 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 Death it's, Wish, but it's Death Wish in Chicago. It's an exploitation. It's very exploited. It's like it's yeah. already an exploitation movie in a way. Like yeah. it was always racist. I think. <laughs> I don't think it wasn't not racist. Back right, then. but it, but it, the original <laughs> was made like in the seventies. Like I know, New York and was like, like we, sh- we we know better now. And it's like yeah, yeah, you take it and you set it in Chicago, and the met, it's literally um, an angry old white dude just killing like black dudes in Chicago. Yeah, and of course, the whole thing is like, crime is out of control in Chicago. What are we going to do? And then the crime spills over and... Uh, Kills breaks Bruce Willis' wife. And, yeah, and breaks in and like, I probably rapes his daughter. I'm sure that's in there. And then now Bruce Willis is like, I'm just going to go on a Terrence to kill him. It's just like him shooting drug dealers. And did you notice like him wearing the hood too? It's like, yeah. is that a nod to Black Lives Matter? No, just, it, or are you just being you know what? an asshole? Being like, an asshole. What is it? It's like he knows what he's up to. Yeah. He's in, in a, and it comes the cast out, is pretty good though. It comes out and then you tell me Breitbart wrote a thing like the social justice warriors are so upset about this. So already it's becoming a tool to... Yeah, it's already being used in that way. Yeah. So and it's like, going to be like the Ghostbusters movie where it's just being like, the fight isn't, it isn't about the movie. It's about, it's about uh, the message be, behind no, it. No, but it's about like people already have a strong opinion of the for or against it or they're going to be fighting it. And I'm certain when it comes out, all these alt-right, right-wing people are going to be like, we need to support Eli Roth and support freedom of speech. Never mind the fact, you know, 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago when he was put in a hostile, these same people are like, we need to stop this movie because this is like, these right. types of movies are bad for kids and bad for the culture. It's such... A fucking empty attempt at using 
basically what people do on both sides. But we'll just pick the all right right out. Saying incredibly, doing an incredibly controversial thing because you know we'll get a certain response, and that certain response equals free publicity, which equals money. But there is no way this movie's watchable, and I don't mean because it's so offensive. Eli Roth fucking sucks, and this is—it's so obvious what he's trying to do. And Bruce Willis fucking sucks. He, no one likes Bruce Willis. Like everyone who's worked with Bruce, I'm sure you know everyone who's worked with Bruce Willis has like a horror story about working with Bruce Willis. It's a nightmare. Even Kevin Smith, who's very vocal about it, and Rain Wilson with uh, with uh, not Rain Wilson, Rain Johnson, Ryan Johnson. (laughs) It's spelled like Rain, right? Yeah, with R I. Yeah, yeah, Uh, with a Looper. Yeah, everyone fucking hates him. Uh, The tweet that got Breitbart's attention is one from Alan Zilberman, a film critic. He said, Eli Ross' Death Wish remake is so nakedly fascist that alt-writers will have an erection before the trailer ends. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it turned into a post on Breitbart confirms that (laughs) right away. So, God damn it. It's just so so obvious because it doesn't look brave. It doesn't look like it's taking a stand on some sort of thing. It's It's just literally taking... The things that people are already upset about, and not making a comment or adding thing, just it's clearly being like, oh, this. They're really- fueling the fire too. Like, yeah. look if you look at this comment section, which you don't, you shouldn't. Yeah. It's just like everyone's like, I don't even like remakes. I don't like Bruce Willis, but the left hates it, so I have this patriotic duty to see it. Like, yeah. that's the entire mo of these people. It's yeah. just like fuck liberals. So like they're all like, oh, thank thank God, someone's taking on sanctuary cities in cinema. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why you gotta politicize? It, but it's also like, fucking like awful. Like, thank God someone's like, was this a thing that like. Needed to be done, like finally taking on sanctuary cities. Like, who fucking gives a shit? That's what that's like. These alt right fucks. That's who. It's so, but it's. I mean, that whole thing is. It is what it is. I don't really care about that stuff. But you look at this, and you're like, I just hate the fact that Eli Roth now, for another probably at least ten years, is because more shit like this. More. Oh, here's something that's controversial. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm just doing the bare minimum well, to get a decent box. Did office. we talk about the HBO thing? No, we haven't. The Confederate thing, but also, that's similar. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, like it's what, the same principle. This stuff's not going to be any good. I, I, I can assure you. Well, Game you, of Thrones sucks, so it's definitely not going to be. Any I can good. assure you that I do not have strong leanings or towards liberal or alt right. I think the people online on both sides are incredibly silly. So <laughs> I think, like, I can, I can totally watch a movie about a guy who decides that he's going to fight back and start killing the drug dealers in his neighborhood, and it could be in Chicago. I'm not like, oh dear, they. But it's just, I'm looking at being like, this is so obvious what he's doing. Yes. It's not gonna, it doesn't look like a good provocative movie. It looks like a ploy to get a decent box office. It also, much like what Eli Roth does and other filmmakers like him, if it goes bad, he can sit there and be like, yeah, you know, I guess this America's not ready for it. It's the Dan Aykroyd syndrome. It's like, yeah, it just didn't work because I guess America's not ready for the dead. It's like, no, you suck. America's not ready for what, Coneheads? <laughs> like, right, what yeah. What are you talking about? Well, no, with Ghostbusters, it didn't uh, do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's all like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I guess just America isn't ready for female like That's what he said. He's like, I guess America, America just doesn't want a female comedy Or the movie wasn't funny like, or no, good. No, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. But they'll never, these guys will never go, I made a bad movie. They'll go, oh, the audience isn't ready for what I'm giving them. I must be too ahead of my time. Or, oh, nobody saw it because. So it's narcissist bullshit. Yeah. Oh, nobody it's saw it because you know how social justice warriors are. You know, they don't, can't open their minds. It's like, no, it's a bad <laughs> fucking movie. Yeah. So another another fucking year with this fucking dipshit's garbage movie. It's so irritating. It's like, ugh, I hate it. I mean, he had two last year, right? It was Green Inferno and that at the same time. Yeah, knock, knock, knock. Knock. no, Green Inferno was. was they like, came out around the same time. I feel like, maybe I'm wrong. It was right when we started the podcast. Green yeah, Inferno. They was both one. were like there right yeah, away. Yeah, and again, they were so bad. And he's walking around being like, "Hey, people! Hey, well, Green Inferno flop. What happened? You know, people just can't handle the gore. You know, I mean, people people been telling me that it's just too gory, and I'm like, but that's what I like." Hey, a knock knock didn't do. It too wasn't well. gory enough, actually. Yeah, you had a death where ants ate a, ate the kid from Spy Kids. Come on, it's so fucking Fuck stupid. You, dude. It's just, it just sucks. He's this. 
I hate people like this who never evolve, who the work sucks, and every time it's called to attention, like you did a bad job, you're not good at this, they just go, oh, no, no, it's not me. It's the audience doesn't get it because I'm too ahead of my time. I'm too good. I'm too out there. I'm too, it's like, no, you fucking suck. Fuck that guy. So, yeah. The, the only other news I have is some Blumhouse TV announcements. What do you got? Uh, Blumhouse Television is doing a horror anthology series for AMC called oh, yeah. Wicked West. Oh. And it says Wicked West utilizes Blumhouse's chilling cinematic style on a weekly series telling stories of sadistic serial killers, murderous black widows, bloodthirsty family clans, and local legends laced with the supernatural. With a tense horror modern cinematic style, Wicked West brings a haunting approach to the untold stories of the bloodbath known as the American West. I mean, that's a bad idea. And Blumhouse is, you know... D- Hitting them out of the park these days. So yeah. if anyone can do it right, it's probably them. And the other one I think you said sounded awesome, which was the which uh, they optioned the book about uh, yeah, Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon book. The ride it's called Steve Bannon, Donald Trump and the Storming of a Presidency, Devil's Bargain. Yeah. So a project. We interviewed the guy who did that book. It was a good interview. It had really insightful things to say. I yeah. didn't interview him, but he was interviewed for BI. Sure. So that uh, Blumhouse also has the the high profile uh, Roger Ailes series coming at Showtime. So like Blumhouse TV is kind of going after I don't know what to call it like. Those big uh, rip from the headline series, like the like the yeah. People versus OJ type thing. It seems they're going to do a lot of shit like that. Which you know what? Good for them. I want the. I'm glad they're making money, so thus they could make more little horror movies for us, like Incarnate Two. And I feel Give like, me Incarnate and Two. And I feel like uh, certainly with the Steve Banyan book, because it does not paint him as a good person. No, he wants. I'm and pretty the sure Roger, the thesis says he wants to blow up, like he wants to destroy the government. Yeah, and like, and like Roger, uh, <laughs> and he's gonna do Roger it. Ailes book is not gonna make uh, Roger Ailes series is not gonna make him look good either. No, so it's just like okay, great. Like in, in Blumhouse, the, Blumhouse the, is bashing those uh, those right wing fucks. I mean, you know, I, I I think I'd said to you, no one's gonna read the Steve Banyan book. Like no no one's gonna read it who supports him or likes him. But if you make this TV show, there's I mean, and also probably most people who support him don't read. So I would assume that this show, like the story is very interesting. Even if you like him, I like, I knew of his story, but listening to the interview and kind of reading a synopsis of the book, like I didn't know just how like shady and like um, driven by hate and anger this guy really is. Right. And I feel like most people don't get that or just refuse to listen to like the news. So to make a story about it, that's compelling. And then people can walk away and be like, yeah, that's a true story. Like that's what he's like. People can be like, oh my gosh, like... He can, they can reach more people that need to know this than instead of it was just a book that no one would read. Because like the New York Times was really, you know, hyped the book up a lot. So right away, no one's going to read it because everyone like is against the New York Times right now. So it's, it's interesting. All right. But all I right. look forward to that show. Cool. Uh, that's all I have, really. Again, um, what did you watch? Yeah. Ready? What did you watch? Uh, what did you watch? Uh, what did I watch? Oh, uh, first thing I watched was the... First episode of uh, the Duplass Brothers thing on HBO yeah. called uh, Room 104. Mm-hmm. Episode one is called Ralph or Ralphie. <sighs> it wasn't good. <laughs> I think Bryce, Patrick Bryce's episode is two or three, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that one's good. But it's just like the premise, I think, is each episode takes place inside this hotel room, and each one is different than the other. This one felt like it could have been the horror one. I hope it wasn't the horror one because it wasn't that scary. Mm-hmm. It was just like... A babysitter has to watch this kid, and yeah. uh, the kid claims, like, he's hiding in the bathroom, and he goes, um, Ralphie's in here, and the kid's name is Ralph, so she thinks it's just talking about him. Yeah. But he turns, like, basically, it's like, 
he he says there's a really bad person named Ralphie hiding in the bathroom, and you you think it's him, but it turns out maybe there is another kid in the bathroom. But like the reveal is not interesting, and like mm-hmm. the what what they do with it isn't interesting, and it's just like it's a twenty minute thing, and it's over, and you're like that wasn't that was the whole thing, like that's the short, like there's no more payoff. That was it. I was uh-huh. very disappointed by it. That's an episode. It's an episode, twenty something minutes. It was really stupid. Wow, crazy. Yeah. So I really didn't like it. Um, I'll I'll keep watching it because it's an anthology. But it seems like it's going to be very empty. Anyone and like li- it's a cool premise. But anyone they didn't really anyone do lined it. up uh, to do it? That's they look forward to. The it? only person I know is Patrick Bryce. Uh. Um, I also, I mean, I've been watching Insecure on HBO. Caught mm-hmm. up. Excellent. Fucking great show. I do like that show. Yeah. Um, Twin Peaks. I'm caught up. Last yeah, me too. week, wild. Dude, it's good. You know the guy, um, the guys who do the EW podcast weren't too nuts about last week's episode, but I thought it was great. I did well. Like the Audrey scene was pretty off-putting at first. Dude, that was so good. But though. like, I had to watch it again, and I was like, okay. It I confirms can't. my theory that David Lynch is like, I'm subverting every expectation. Well, that's you what can't I wait said. for her to show up. And now she says she's gonna yell at her husband for 20. minutes. And then also, yeah. like, it just opens a shot, and there she is. When she started going. I'm like, oh wait, that's Audrey, and I'm thinking like, wait, have we seen her before? Because it just went no. to the scene where she was yelling at her husband. Did you see that thread? I sent you that thread from my friend uh, Miriam Bale. She was tweeting about what was it? Just like time in Twin Peaks and how she has this like theory, just like she kind of has figured out like what it is. And it's just like yeah. the timing. I mean, it's very deliberately non-linear. Like you can tell like things are happening before and after each other. Yeah. But there's this long thread she did where she kind of charts out what's happening and that like certain characters are relevant in certain timelines and like there's characters like the Balthazar Getty character I forget his name on the show but he was the guy from Lost Highways in it and she she thinks it's like he's playing his character from Lost Highway and like and like the the like Spacey what's her name Cherry the chick who's just like looking around all confused like he says she comes from a different time and like it's just like a visitor she said basically has delineated the show into like visitors and like main narrative it's very interesting I'll send it to you I can't wait Um, but yeah so I'm kind of just it's a frustrating watch, but it's a in- enjoyable watch. Yeah, for I think me. it's paying off. I think already yeah. things are starting to like connect and work out, and I just am, I'm just thrilled with how it's going. Yeah. I can't wait till it's done so I can watch it again. That's exactly how I feel. I can't wait till it's done so I can watch it in, like in in the sitting I want to, just like and then also it. like get the new and maybe like reorder it. it in the way that makes sense because you know it seems like a lot of it is jumbled up on purpose. He's clearly making something that's meant to be like poured over for for all of eternity. Yeah. No, you just, I think the reason he went to TV is because he's looking at the fact that Twin Peaks has become this cultural phenomenon that people are like discovering today. And I think now he's like, great, they'll make something for television that is dense that, you know, will be different with each viewing. Love yeah. it. Hell yeah. Uh, you also saw Detroit? Oh, man. I saw other stuff too. I saw Atomic Blonde. How was it? I walked out of it. <laughs> It was so goddamn boring, man. Everyone's praising this movie like it was some new John Wick style. Like, you got to see it. The action's amazing. It's directed by a stunt coordinator, so you know it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the action scenes are pretty cool, but uh, almost all of them are in the trailer. And the trailer's good. Just watch the trailer because the movie around it fucking sucks. Like, really? Yeah, like it has all this like, oh, it's just overdone. Like the plot resembles more... Uh, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or mm-hmm. like some like film noir shit. Like mm-hmm. it's just like it tries so hard to have this like convoluted backstory when it's just like I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Just like show the action that I came here to see. It looks kind of um It had like that hyper stylized like, you know, graffiti on the screen to like indicate where you are. Like we're in Berlin now. Like cool. just like dumb shit like that. Very cool. Yeah, I was annoyed by it and I really don't get the, the love. Uh, it just was way too like overly plotted for yeah. like what it was. And it's two hours long. Oh, Jesus. So I couldn't stay. I was no, I made it about an hour, I think. I also saw something called The Little Hours. What's that? It's a movie. It's like a period piece set in I don't know what year uh, with like 
on the countryside with a bunch of nuns living in a convent. It's this really strange indie comedy that like is produced in stars like Aubrey Plaza oh, yeah. and uh, Dave Franco. Is any good? It was pretty funny, man. It's like a movie I knew nothing about and expected nothing from, and it made me laugh a lot. Like Molly Shannon's in it, John C. Riley. The cast is so stacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Pally and John Gabrus, just all these comedians. Um, it's not the best movie I've seen, but it it made me laugh a lot. Um, it's it's weird to see. It's fun to see a comedy set in like the 16 somethings, you know, mm-hmm. or like the, the whatever century it was. Uh, Kate McCucci's in it. Oh right, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, it's just she's it was, okay. I it guess. was very silly, um, and basically the plot is like these nuns are so fucking horny that like they want to just like there's like anytime there's a guy around they they'll lose their mind trying to fuck them and like the, they bring Dave Franco around to like uh, help out and they all they uh, he's told to pretend to be deaf and blind so we, like they won't be tempted by him and they all <laughs> still start that, like raping him and shit Jesus. like it's it's super weird. Um, it's not playing anywhere, I don't think. That is like um, anyone could see it. It was playing at Times Square. I'm sure it'll be on uh, cable or you can rent it soon. I recommend it if you like really silly comedies, like improv heavy. Uh, one of those like movies where it's just a bunch of comedians having goofing around. Cool. Pretty fun. Um, and then, yeah, I just saw Detroit, which <sighs> so it's you can't deny this movie is so fucking intense, very well made, very well crafted. Mm-hmm. So in so tense and so harrowing, such a hor- it's like hard to watch. But it also it's framed in a way where like it's kind of like a torture porn horror movie, like an exploitation yeah. movie where it's like if you know the story, it's like the this this uh th- this incident that happened in Detroit in 1967 at the Algiers Motel where a bunch of uh black people and actually two white girls were like you know, held captive for a while and uh, murdered and shit like that. Why? This awful shit happens because the cops, the, the way the movie alleges, because again, this is a, the movie's highly a dramatization of it because like no one knows really what happened. Mm-hmm. So the, the incident that I know, the incident is like, they claim to have heard sniper fire from this building. So they fucking jump on it and start attacking everyone in there. Okay. And um, the way the movie sets it up, like there's a toy gun involved and there are shots fired by the people in the building. But I don't know if that's historically accurate. It posits so like, that it was a misunderstanding. It posits that, but like then like the white cops show up and are just like relentlessly fucking with these people, like pretending to shoot them and then one like you know being like, all right, we're gonna take this guy in a room and kill him, and then like shooting and like being like, don't say a fucking word. Yeah. So like pretending that they killed him and being like, so people will be like, oh my god, so I people will talk. Yeah. yeah. But then like that shit goes wrong because the cops are idiots, and like I don't know how much of it was accurate, but. The whole movie exists so that long hotel sequence can exist, and it's about an hour that part, or a little over an hour, and it's it's fucking awful, and it's t- it's hard to watch, um, and it just begs the question like, who's this movie for? You know, mm. like, um, it, it it's a movie made by white people. I think it's important to note it's a movie about black people and and like about black history made by. A specific only white filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, and it, and that's what it feels like every time there's a, a white person of authority on screen that's not one of the ones that the movie says this guy's bad yeah. this is a bad white man yeah. every other cop every other national guard every other doctor they show up just to be like how could this happen <laughs> it's unbelievable I so like that. the whole idea of the movie seems to be like 
We'll make it's like uh, Armin White in his review, which is a, he's a very uh, notorious film critic who is the one that got kicked off Rotten Tomatoes because people thought he was like trolling because he would always be the one negative review on every on these all widespread movies. His whole he has a long history of like controversial shit. But I read his review just now after seeing the movie and after tweeting about it, and we said a lot of the same things. Uh-oh. And he calls it like liberal wish fulfillment sort of shit, where it's like mm. you by watching this black violence, you feel okay about yeah current black violence and mm. being like hmm well they tried or they did I don't know yeah. it's very strange so the movie is just like this like torture porn for like I guess woke liberal people who'd be like isn't that a shame Yeah, isn't that a shame that this happened this has been going on for far too long guys and it's like they're gonna go home and like do nothing differently yeah. so like the people yep. the people who need to see it won't see it mm. and the people who do see it are gonna be like uh yeah yeah I know I told you, I told you there's racism I know this happens I told you there was racism and like yes it's it's I mean you can equate how like you know racism hasn't changed since then but it's like the way she does it in the movie it's like the the it's like almost a stretch being like tying it to like the black lives matter movement or something sure. it's just like there's a, there's multiple scenario i don't know it just it rubs me the wrong way it was a very gross thing to watch um and then everything before and after the hotel sequence mm-hmm. is just filler um the whole third act is like one of those like let's wrap up the last 30 minutes with the courtroom bullshit yeah. And it was really boring. Um, so I didn't like it that much. I think that that hour, first of all, I think it should have ended when that scene ended and it would have been very impactful. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just, I don't know who it's for, man. Like, cause like uh, white people watching it are just going to be like, do what I <laughs> what you just talked about. And like, I feel like black people who watch this movie are just going to be like, I don't need to watch black people get beaten for two hours to know that this is like a thing that happens. I really just, I'm kind of baffled by the praise for it. Cause if you read the reviews, even the critics who say just what I said and kind of shit all over it they all ended up yeah. praising it in the end being like right. the subject matter is very important and you should see it yeah of course so it's like because if you say you didn't like it you're basically saying that i don't believe like, i'm siding with the white pe- the, the police yeah it's yeah. I, I yeah i i don't know what to say about it another than, like, movie another movie that's just like we're already picking a side yeah and if you say you like it you're on the one side and if you say you just like yeah another. so i'm gonna say i didn't like it yeah. but i I respect its intentions, but I think it's kind of fucking miscalculated. See, so you're already doing it, it. I know. Why can't you just it say it? It wasn't good. Like it it yeah. should have been made by white people. Yeah. If you're going to make this movie, there's like no black women featured in it. It's just like, the, and they make you feel really bad about the two white girls that get beaten. And too. also you think like, it's like to, to why what, is this their story? And also like, to what end was the point of this movie? I, that's, I don't know. That's the whole thing. I have no idea who it's for or Are what the intent Are we trying to like was. historically show something that bad? Let's hope it doesn't happen And again. also John Boyega has nothing to do in it. He just plays this like Uncle Tom cop guy. Uh, um, it's, it's a fucking, I didn't like it. Well, there you go. Forget it. Forget it. All right. Uh, is that everything I saw? I think so. Oh, Wet Hot American Summer's back 10 years later. I think it's fucking great. Yeah, I've watched a few episodes. I've enjoyed it. Did much, you w- already much more than I enjoyed the, oh, uh, the previous, also, yeah, sorry. The previous uh, season. I watched The Devil's Candy, which you already said you thought was okay. And almost okay. It's arguably okay. And I was really with it for a while, but then I think it, you're right. It just kind of de- it dies off. Like the opening scene, like the idea of like a guy strumming metal guitar it's he needs to like the, not uh, hear yeah, the, voices, the voices out of his head. That was cool. And then they don't do anything with but that. But when they're like, hey, could you turn the music off? I was like, or just give him headphones. The end. <laughs> yeah, you can say fucking sit on his back and play them guitar. Movie's over. Yeah, until those fucking eardrums explode. Yeah. 
Uh, so the movie, like, then after that scene, like, it just, like, tries to be like, hey, look, we're a metal movie. Everyone's got a Metallica shirt on. Everyone's a got a Megadeth yeah, shirt the, on. Right, the, the family moves to a farm because he's an artist having a hard time. He's a painter. His daughter goes to school, and she's, like, an outcast. But as he's painting, his paintings are getting, like, really good because they're dark because almost, like, the, the evil spirit that inhabits the Yeah, it's, like, it's like a pictures of, of his daughter on fire You and know, shit. and then it turns out because there was a murder there done by this guy with the guitar who has, like, voices in his head. That, that guy, I forget the actor's name, plays the crazy, fat, bald guy in Every fucking horror movie, every movie that he's in. Um, it just was like, you know what? That movie had a decent premise and didn't deliver. Yeah. If we're going to jump to me. Yeah. I watched a couple uh, Shutter exclusives this weekend. Well, I watched one and a half. One I'm not done with. Uh, but one that I watched, uh, it wasn't Lake Mungo. It was Lake Bodom. Lake Mungo's a different movie. I, I think know. it's Chicago. That's right. Yeah. So Lake Bodom, B-O-D-O-M, a Shutter exclusive that was, uh, I think, acquired before it even premiered at South by Southwest. Um, let me pull up the Variety article here. Um, yeah, that's right. It was bought before it premiered on uh, South by Southwest. And uh, director uh, Tanelli Mustonen, I know I pronounced that wrong, film, inspired by real-life events, follows four teenagers on a pilgrimage to Lake Bodum, the site of a brutal killing of a group of teenagers in the 1960s, where they quickly find themselves repeating history. The film was, is finished and was n- nominated for three Finnish film awards, including Best Film... Finnish, like the nation. Yeah, yeah, F- Finland. And now it's exclusively on Shutter. That boggles my mind. This movie was so bad... And so predictable. I had to watch it like the I watched the last 10, 15 minutes or whatever, kind of like like shuffling forward because it took fucking forever to get to where it's supposed to go. And if you watch the trailer, the trailer posits it is a much different movie than it actually is. Here's what I thought it was going to be. And the fact that it isn't this is like, maybe I'll make this movie. <laughs> I thought the movie, the idea of the movie was we're watching these teenagers go to some place, go to some uh, camp at some lake, and then also it showed these clips of in the 1960s, a bunch of teenagers at this camp uh, or at this site, like swimming and camping or whatever, where they were killed. And I thought what was going to be is almost like to tell the stories side by side, jumping back and forth. And kind of like what happened in the 60s is going to inform what happens to them because we don't know what's going to happen to the the modern day version. But it's not that at all. They kind of hint towards what happened is people got killed and blah, blah, blah. But other than that, it's mostly about these these two couples, these four teenagers, I mean teenagers, they were like young adults or like certainly in their like 20s, who go there and then eventually they end up getting killed one by one. Um, this movie stinks. The the, okay. twi- the twist is so frustratingly bad, so obvious. I'm opening a beer. You're yes. looking at me. What? No, it's a. I was looking. At, I was admiring how giant the beer yeah. is. Um, it just it stinks, guys. And like you know, I think we. I, I like to think that we have a very uh, horror savvy audience. And much like I was go, like rattling off how much I hate uh, Eli Roth, this falls in the same category of treating us like idiots. The plot twists and what happens in this is so. When it happens, you're like, no, it's one of these. It's totally one of those. It's. I, I mean, I would say it's not worth your time. If you want to watch it, go ahead. But I guarantee by the time the, the big reveal happens in the middle of it, then it's just really like trying to power through a movie that's like, it, it recontextualizes what it's really about halfway through it. And when that happens, you're like, I can't believe I invested this much time into what this movie is really about. It's stupid. I would, I would say avoid. Okay. Another one that I watched, I'm not finished with because it got late. That was liking a little bit better, but still kind of dumb. It's called We Are the Flesh. I think it's uh, Portuguese it's not about Spanish. us. It's not a documentary about our podcast. It's not about the new flesh. From what I gathered, it is a, uh, we start with this guy who's, uh, what was that? Oh, it's the cats. Cats uh, are just fighting each other. A guy who's like isolated himself and kind of crazy and in some sort of like warehouse area, living by himself, scavenging the 
the conceit is that uh, it's post-apocalyptic and he's by himself. Then eventually this couple finds him and they're trying to like coexist in the space that he has that, you know, th- th- they have a whole story like we're here and, you know, this happened to us and can we please stay here? And then very quick, I mean, he's seemingly mentally ill, you know, like he's gone crazy from how or maybe he was crazy before. And they seemingly are like, can we trust this guy or not? And might have some own tricks up their sleeves. I was liking it, but I was like, eh, I got to go to bed. So, so far, <laughs> so far much better than like uh, Bodum, but I don't okay. know. Um, what else I watch? Stage Fright. It's on Shudder because uh, last week's podcast, uh, Tim Racine was hyping it up and I hadn't actually seen it before. So I watched it and it's very good. Highly cool. recommend it. Good GI. I don't know if it's like pure GI. How was the Tim episode? I haven't listened yet. No, it's very good. I want to. We talked, we talked a lot about Twin Peaks. We talked about Cuso. And we both had the same opinion about Cuso. I would suggest watch it or watch part better of it. Better or worse than Cujo? Ooh, that's hard to say. <laughs> They're both bad Google. movies, right? It's not as bad as Cujo, but it's not a, it's not a narrative at all. I see. Like, Cujo's bad. Did you like, read Charles' interview with the guy? With Yeah, yeah, I looked Lotus? over it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, no, I guess, like, because everyone listened to the episode, I'm assuming, but my quick thing is, like, Flying Lotus is interesting. He approached this movie the way he approaches his music, which is, like, insanely well-produced chaos. Uh, that is a movie. You just turn that mic on. Yeah. That is a movie. Does, it does not make as good of a movie as it does making music. So I would say that uh, if you're still interested in seeing Cuso, start watching it. And if you're not into it within the first 10 minutes, that's it. I mean, you, you, it's more of the same for 10 minutes. Okay. It's really fucked up. You should listen to our thing because we, because we get, in, I'll listen to it. We get into detail about what it's about. And I think for someone who hasn't seen it, it sounds like we're like making it up. Okay. Um, and then also I watched. Uh, the first couple episodes of American Gods, it's fine. Yeah, I watched I, the first one or two. I read the, the first bo- one's like ninety, right? I think I watched. Yeah, that. I I read or listened to the book on Audible, and I kind of bailed towards the end because the book was because getting a little. Te- it's definitely I felt that uh, the most interesting things happened at the beginning. Okay. And then I felt it was getting a little tedious towards the end, so I don't think I ever finished it. Uh, but for the first couple episodes, yeah, it's not bad. Okay. That's well produced. I like everyone in it. Um, so I'd say check it out and I guess the defiant ones the HBO thing about Jimmy Iovine and uh, Dr. Dre Dr. Dre Eminem and everyone's in it right yes and Trent Reznor's in it heavily I hear Mm. my boy Trent I would suggest watching it I had a notion that maybe I've talked about in the pod before I think I've rehad it I have this notion a lot I want to share this in the pod because we got very savvy fans I'll throw it out to you and see what you think about this so I'm watching this thing and they get to the part where okay so Jimmy Iovine am I pronouncing that right I don't know. Iovine or Iovine? Iovine. Uh, started producing music, worked with uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen and uh, Stevie Nicks. And at some point, he starts Interscope, and he's also was famous in bringing... Uh, uh, what? Let's put it a little closer. Okay. He famously uh, start, found, got Nine Inch Nails onto his uh, record label right before they put out the Downward Spiral, found... Uh, Dr. Dre and helped him with the chronic and everything. And then eventually would lead to Eminem and Marilyn Manson and 50 cent and Kendrick Lamar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the thing and Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, cause they're interviewed all throughout it are incredibly affluent, charming men. You figure, you see why they're so successful. Cause they're just like, they talk and you want to listen and they got big ideas and they executed them. But something about it, I got I, I struck with this notion that I think is so true is that, there's a part of it where they're talking about at a time where the whole Dr. Dre death row records thing got out of control. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that you had your Marilyn Manson couldn't go anywhere without people just like fucking rioting either for or against his music is a very polarizing character. Then also they're talking about, you know, Eminem. Remember how he was public enemy number one. And I thought, you know, something has happened in the world 
and especially with like music, but I think most things, but we'll, we'll pick music for this thing. We now don't have artists like those guys anymore where the work is controversial. We have plenty of artists now whose tweets and interviews and bullshit make them controversial, right. but their music's boring. Like you have to separate the art from the artist. Like Nicki Minaj. Type of shit. Everyone's like, oh my God, can you believe she tweeted or said this in a video? Or like Drake starts a beef or who else? Or another yeah. guy, you know, like Kanye's acting crazy. Yeah, but when Chris you li- Brown. But you listen to music and it's just like, it's fine. Yeah. Even if you like them, like, like, well, there's no artists anymore. And I think, and you point the finger at like social media and the internet in general, where now artists, it's like they make very corporate shit that can like get all over the radio and, and be like just nice stuff that goes down easy right. and then be incredibly offensive on like Twitter, which is such a bummer. Yeah. Because there used to be a time where the only way you could say controversial things was in your art. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's kind of interesting. And it's such a bummer because I'm just looking at all this stuff like, man, people fucking hated Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Like, people wanted to like... like, And he couldn't just fire off a tweet and be like, he to had the to, haters. He's had to like... got to release an album. You had to wait for the music. You yeah. had to wait for the one or two interviews. You had to wait... Yeah, like, like, so you like, think it was better when that was the method? Absolutely. Yeah. That was what made it so interesting. And even outside of those artists, I think of like Guns N' Roses. Remember that? For a while there was like, oh my God, these guys are like, they're animals. They need to be locked up. Right. Rock and roll is, is like his fucking Dave Grohl now. He's yeah. fine. But it's like, he's also like a dad. Yeah. It yeah. just goes down so easy. There's nothing, yeah. no art is dangerous anymore. And I think it's just, if someone's going to be quote dangerous, they put out some bullshit work and then they go on Twitter and start a fight. There's actually a, f- oh, Bring it back to mind what, what you watched was talking about this. I checked out the first episode of that What Would Diplo show do on Viceland uh, with James Vanderbilt. It's fucking funny. Is dude. it? Yes. I'm is it making fun of itself? Like what? I don't very understand. Very much so. It it's kind of making fun of how much of a fucking bonehead Diplo is. It is a fake mockumentary with him, and it's kind of like with uh, with James Vanderbeek, and it's just like look how ridiculous this guy is, and he's and it's clearly like isn't he like producing it and shit though? James Vanderbeek? No, like Diplo. Yeah. Well, according to the credits, James Vanderbeek wrote the episode. I haven't watched the whole thing, but at least wrote the pilot. Huh. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Dude, it is funny. Like it's right. like it's funny. Check it out. I'll check it out. But in that, there's a whole thing where he gets in a Twitter war with Calvin Harris. I don't even know what the fuck Calvin Harris is. No DJ. But this is what it is now. Music yeah. is just like here's this boring bullshit, and then you know, and here's the guy uh, in an interview starting a fight with somebody else. Or a guy like Eli Roth makes a garbage movie, but then just kind of like polarizes one or gets one end of a polarized argument to fight for his like bland middle of the road movie. You know what I mean? It's it's just got me thinking like, are we are we ever gonna get an Eminem or a Marilyn Manson or a Trent Reznor or a Dr. Dre circa Chronic? Will we ever have an artist like that again? A big artist who make controversial, like genuinely controversial things. I mean, people can go, well, what about Kendrick Lamar? It's like, yeah, but he's like, nobody's like protesting Kendrick Lamar. You know what I mean? Right. Na- like, seriously, name a, name, a, I can't. name a mainstream rock musician making music now, not the old guys who still just people do it. Like a person putting on new music now where the music they're making is controversial. Yeah, can't think of any? I, no. I can't think of any. No. That's a fucking bummer. Wow. You made me think about stuff. It's a bummer, man. Yeah. I think I think I know every, people get old and they're like music wasn't as good as that, but we got to the point now where like it's it's like what like what the fuck like what this new shit fuck is fucking boring. I find it very interesting that a lot of people, a lot of millennials fucking love Nirvana. Right. Fucking love like Nirvana is like 
huge again. Like bigger now than they were then, probably. Probably. Yeah. It just seems like Nirvana is like like if you didn't know better, you think Nirvana Nirvana was like a current band. I see Nirvana shit everywhere. I go to shows. People are just all Nirvana everything, and because you listen to it, you're like, this music is exciting. Yeah. And it's, there's no, no no fucking band sounds like them now. Take Joe's challenge and start a band that <laughs> fights the man. In their art. In their and art. Not, in their fucking, not on Twitter. Not on their fucking tweets, not on their Facebook lives, not on their source f- magazine interviews. They talk <laughs> shit about someone. None of that shit. Find me someone now, mainstream, who is doing something challenging in their art that's polarizing people. And no, and no a fucking alt-right person just purpose, or, or, or a social justice warrior purposely like being like, oh, this and that. That doesn't count. Because that, that is all social media. That doesn't count either. Music, movies, where, where you can defend it being genuine art and not just like muckraking. All right, and we'll be right back with uh, special guest. Oh yeah, Scott Wampler. Here we go. All right, uh, welcome to the New Flesh Podcast for the Hello. very first time. Scott yes. Wampler from Birth Movies Death. Welcome to the show, sir. Very nice to uh, to be here. My last name is Wampler, by the way. But Wampler. That's fine. Every, everybody <laughs> does this. I was Fine. going to. I, I have a notorious thing where I start interviews by asking how people's names are pronounced, and I didn't do it. I was so confident. You just rolled with it. I just rolled with it. Yeah, you are notorious for <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> it's fun. I, I've been doing it my whole life. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, well, thank you for uh, joining the show. I'm very glad you said yes because when I knew I had to do an episode on Dark Tower, I knew I wanted to talk to you because um, from your Twitter presence, you get the sense that you're quite a big fan. Is that right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I um, you know, I grew up reading Stephen King, and uh, I came, you know, to Dark Tower pretty early on, and you know that that shit was like, you know, my Lord of the Rings. You know, I've read those books over and over and over again, and you know, I can, you know, tell you all kinds of stuff about them. Like I'm a hardcore nerd for for the Dark Tower, so um, it was exciting to have a platform to write about it as they were making the movie, uh, and then uh just terribly soul-crushing when the movie turned out to be a <laughs> pile of trash. Terribly soul-crushing. Put it on the poster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when did you know that it was going to be a piece of shit? Like, at what point did you figure out, like, this might be, a, this might be bad? Well, all throughout production, um, I was talking to, you know, uh, a few different people that had, you know, sort of, a, sort of an ear to, the, ear, ear to the ground on it, you know? And I was, I was hearing stuff that was increasingly troubling, uh, none of which I could really, you know, report. Um, sure. And it was evident from pretty early on that something was going wrong. And once they started bumping the movie back, then it was sort of like, all right, well, there's definitely a problem. And then when a trailer didn't show up until about 15 minutes before the movie hit theaters, <laughs> uh, you know, that was a pretty clear indication that they, you know, fuck this one up. <laughs> yeah, they, they really did. Um it does it do you know if the final product resembles the script from early on that well more or less yeah i mean i've i've read the script right. I, read, I read the script probably over a year ago now yeah and it was it was long before that they that they announced that it was going to be sort of a sequel to the series or like a, like a remix you know i i didn't know any of that at the time so i just read the script and from page one, I was like, oh, my God, what have they done? You know, and it made a lot more sense once they, um, you know, once they announced that that's what the intention was to for it not to be a literal translation for it to be, you know, um, a sequel. 
and like another cycle of uh, this character's story. That that does make sense within the, the mythology the king laid out. Um, I forgot what your question was. What was it? <laughs> I just wanted to know if the original script was... What, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about right. Uh, the main difference is that Roland shoots Jake in the face at the end of the script. Uh, that's how it ends. He doesn't shoot uh, the man in black. Uh, sorry, spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen the Dark Tower yet. But, um, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, he he shoots Jake, which is more actually more in line with the book. Jake dies at the at the beginning of the first book, and then he comes back um, huh. in the uh, in in a in a future book under under different um, circumstances. But uh, okay. As, as, but reading the script, I was like, there's no way they're going to end uh, like a would-be franchise starting summer tentpole with Idris Elba point-blank shooting a kid in the face. Like, <laughs> that's just that's just going to have to go. You know what? I, I, I would have walked out of the movie a little happier if, if, that, was, <laughs> if that was how it ended. Um, it would have been more in line with the books. You know, um, I don't know how audiences in, say, Oklahoma would have reacted to it. But, uh, sure. you know. Yeah, I would have been on board with it. Yeah, so I think that begs a good question here. Well, because I I saw it yesterday morning, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it is yeah. it is as bad as 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 everyone says it is. Um, I think. Well, actually, that, that might not be true because it's it's more um, it's more like uh, boring and just uh flat than like purposefully or like so bad it's like worth watching type of thing. It's just kind of. Yeah, I just, totally agree. Yeah, it's just very bland. And uh, my biggest question is, as a non-fan, I almost—it's almost an incomprehensible movie because I have no idea. Oh, you—you you haven't read the books. No, I haven't read the books. So oh, I've been waiting to talk to somebody like you. Like, how fucking confused were you during this movie? Dude, I could not be more confused. I—I I don't. <laughs> nothing. Not a single thing. Not a single frame of this movie even tries to make sense to, to people who don't know what's happening already. Like it oh doesn't, it doesn't make any plea. Like I'm all, I'm, I'm usually the one who's like, how dare this movie spoon feed me information and explain all this shit to me. But in this movie, I wanted any, any form of explanation of any sort of setup to what was happening would have been great because the movie just kind of opens with like, it seems like some like dystopian future where like children have these weird watches on. And then it's like, up oh, best get it. But I guess it's time for Matthew McConaughey to put you in this chair and and harness your brain power for an unknown reason. And then as it's, he does, as he does. And then and then the movie just keeps going and it cuts to like Jake and I'm I already from the mo- first moment I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Could you explain what was happening? That whole opening segment is actually from like the seventh book in the series. Um, all that shit about <clears throat> you know um, these. Children whose psychic uh, abilities are used are, are being used to break down the beams of energy that are holding the dark tower in place. That's a concept that comes way later in the series. Um, so it doesn't like, doesn't quite make sense to make that the opening scene of your dark tower movie. Well, not without any explanation. No, you know. <laughs> um, I, and this is the this is the problem with remixing elements. You know, the the mythology of this thing is so dense. It's like fucking. It's eight thousand pages. This this, uh, yeah. this story, you know, um, the the idea of trying to remix elements uh, sounds kind of good because um, it, it inoculates the the film itself from people that are 
angry about it being a literal translation. If you right out of the gate, you're like, it's a sequel, it's a remix, um, then that sort of blows any complaint like that out of the water. But you still have a responsibility to um, explain the elements that you do bring in. And it was weird that they would choose. It's weird that they chose the elements that they did. Um, it's weird that they focused the movie on Jake. Like, I understand that they wanted him to be an audience uh, surrogate character. But um, really, what, this movie should have just been about Roland and the man in black. I agree yeah. with that. And even if he was supposed to be the audience surrogate, uh, they don't really do a good job of that because the audience doesn't know yeah. a goddamn thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and the kids kind of, like, I, I just, you know, to loop back around to something you said a minute ago, I, I agree with you that it's not a, a train wreck movie. You know, it's not a complete right. disaster. It's just really boring and... Um, flat you know that it's it's yeah. profoundly mediocre and um something that has this much you know vision and weird shit going on in it and, you know just all the things they could have done with it it's particularly uh you know dispiriting that that's what they decided to do with it but um i didn't think the kid was all that bad you know i've, I've heard people sort of you know clowning that that kid for his yeah. performance and I'm like, McConaughey was clearly the worst thing in this movie. McConaughey, I, mean, I don't know what, what movie he thought he was in, but it, it wasn't no. it wasn't this one. No. And you, you know, you could feel the reshoots in it, I thought, where you know, there were there were scenes where he was like right on point and you're like, All right, that's right, that's the yes, that's what you should be doing and then within seconds he'd be doing something else in another scene where it seemed like he was playing a completely different character. Right. And this shit of him like storming around his little like home base with all the computers and shit and like <laughs> barking orders at people. Like it was, I mean, that's, that's it's, that's it's not like a books? fundamental misunderstanding of the character, you know, like that he's not Darth Vader, you know, he, yeah. that's not what this guy is. Um, you know, in, have you seen the stand? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, the man in black is flag from the stand. They just can't call him flag oh, because um, Warner brothers owns the rights to that name. So they called him, one of his other names. He has many names, but they call him Walter. But right. um, and there's a lot of jokes about would... how his name is Walter. His name is Walter. Yeah. <laughs> Striking fear in the hearts of millions. <laughs> hey, so uh... destroying entire civilizations, Walter. <laughs> hey, uh, Scott. So um, I only read one of the uh, one of the uh, Dark Tower books. I read The Gunslinger, and I yeah. know and I know that this whole thing is like based. Uh, if I recall correctly, there's what nine Dark Tower books. Um, there's eight technically. Okay. He did huh? seven, and then he went and wrote, but back and wrote one that happened in between two of the books. It's like sort of a, so, uh, I'm curious. Sort of a cycle. I guess I'm kind of curious because they had, I would think, the impossible task of they couldn't just do book by book because that would have been too. I mean, the gunslinger I did not care for as a book, and figured it'd make an even more boring movie if if that, if that was like how they started. But for you seeing mm -hmm. this and knowing the material, let's say in a parallel universe, this movie was a hit. Like, did they? I mean, how could they continue the story? It sounds like they tried to pack it all in the one. Yeah, um, I. You're right about that. Uh, I, I sort of argued with people online about that beforehand. Like, they're not trying to shove everything into one movie. Well, they kind of did. Mm. Um, you know, the, and why they would kill off, uh, you know, Roland's chief antagonists um, in the first movie doesn't make any sense. But uh, more to your to your point, uh, it shouldn't have been a movie. 
Uh, it shouldn't have been any amount of movies. It should have been a series. Mm. You know, this this is a thing that 100% should have been, like, the thing HBO lined up after Game of Thrones. You know, we got Westworld now. But right. um, why they didn't do The Dark Tower is fucking beyond me. Like, they, this is... This is a show that incorporate that would have incorporated like all kinds of different genres. It has all the nudity and violence that, that HBO loves. Um, right. And what I would have done is I would have made each book a season of the show, and I would have brought in a different director for each season. You know, playing to the strengths of whatever the genre is in that particular book. Like the first one's more of a western. Yeah. So I would have, I would have had like John Hillcote come in and fucking direct. Hell yeah. Uh, you know. Second one's like more of a crime. To, well, I'm not gonna go through the whole fucking thing, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but you, but you thought about, think about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go in and make a pitch to HBO like today if I had to. Well, you know, that's it's, the. Th- uh, it's funny you bring that up because uh, you were pretty close to the man himself this week because you were yeah. you were one of the what five people or so that the, uh, there were about ten of us. So there were about ten of you that I let me get this straight. The studio flew Kinda. you. And a bunch yeah. of people out to to Bangor, Maine. Is that right? Well, they flew us to New York. Okay. Because um, you live in and what? They didn't Austin? really tell us what we were doing. You know, they okay. they said uh, they were like um, they called me up and they said, "Hey, what are you doing next week?" I said, uh, "Working." What are you doing? <laughs> and they said, um, "Well, we want to fly to New York, and then um, the next day we're going to go to Bangor, Maine." And we can't tell you what we're going to do, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a screening of The Dark Tower, and Stephen King's going to introduce. It. Do you want in? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want in on that. <laughs> uh, and so we were there in New York very briefly, and then uh, we flew up to Bangor, and then we took like a tour of all these locations from Stephen King's books, and then ultimately met him. That's what happened. So what was that like? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was fucking, it was bananas. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've grown up reading King. You know, he's like a living guy. Um. So I guess in the back of my head, I always kind of thought, well, either he'll come through town doing like a speaking tour or he'll be at a book signing. You know, uh, our manager, editor, uh, Meredith Borders, um, managed to get into a book signing a couple of years ago and, and you know, shook his hand. Right. And I sort of figured, well, that'll be the extent of whatever involvement I ever have with, with Stephen King. You know, uh, it never in a million years occurred to me that he might do something like this where, uh, you know, he, he sat and talked to us for 20 some, you know, 20 some odd minutes. Wow. And we were just allowed to ask him whatever we wanted. It was just us, you know, sitting there across from him. Um, and he was super down to earth, very good humored and, uh, you know, folky and, um, you know, like everything you've ever heard about Stephen King, it was that's him. He's in like like blue jeans and a and a baseball cap, just chill as fuck. You know, um, wow. It was it was amazing. Uh, I, I again, I never thought that that something like that might happen. And even on the day, I didn't think that would happen. You know, we were all talking amongst ourselves during that trip, and we're kind of like, the big question was, are we going to get to meet King? And they were being real cagey about that. <laughs> and we figured, well. What's probably going to happen is right before the movie, they'll line us up outside the theater. We'll walk down the line and shake all of our hands and thank, say thank you for coming, and then we'll go in and intro the movie, and that'll be it. Um, right. And it was so much more than that. It was it was incredible. Like it was a career highlight. I've been doing this job for some years now. I've met some really famous people and gone to movie sets, and I've done 
all kinds of cool shit with this job. Uh, and this was like head and shoulders above anything else I've ever done and, and is like unlikely to ever be topped. It was, it was incredible. What did, uh, and then I, and then I had to tell them their movie sucks, which was, you know, yeah. So, you know. I mean, the idea of these type of things I would imagine is that they wine and dine you and literally give you what you just called was the highlight of your career and then expect sure. you to ignore the fact that their movie's a piece of shit. Is that what they want? I would think <laughs> here, I, I'm, I'm in a, uh, uh, choose my words carefully. Yeah, I don't want to get you in any trouble here. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I'll say that, like, after the screening, everyone that was, most of the people that were on this trip uh, were very excited. And looking around, like, did you guys just see the same fucking movie I saw? Oh, and they were, they were, they were into it? Yeah, they were into it. Mm. And, um, by the time we had, like, flown to New York and got to a bar, and had some drinks in us, uh, that opinion had softened a little bit. <laughs> so it really, um, it really fucking works then, huh? <laughs> um, well, I mean, if, I know that some positive reviews came out of some of the people that were on that trip. And who knows, maybe they liked it. You know, I've talked to people that, I mean, I talked to people yeah. even that were on that trip who had seen it before the trip that liked it. Huh. You know? They walked into it saying, "Yeah, it's pretty good." You know, I enjoyed it for what it is, and blah blah blah. And I've and I've certainly heard from enough people this weekend who um, they thought it was all right. You know, they kind of dug it, and they were just happy to see those characters on a screen. So, you know, I'm not going to say anyone's just fucking lying through their teeth. No, I think but, it, I, um, I do think there's like a psychological thing there, though. Like I know the Paramount sometimes will give out popcorn at movie screenings. And it's like, uh, I really didn't enjoy Office Christmas Party, but <laughs> I had free popcorn and drinks, so it wasn't, you know, I didn't give it the worst tweet review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard this uh, complaint before. I, I've heard it in response to set visits or interviews. Like, if you get an interview with, like, somebody really big uh, or, you know, there'll always be somebody in the comments that's like, you know, just the fact that you got to do this, you know, makes your your opinion suspect. And I'm kind of like, if you think I can be bought by like, just right. flying me to a movie set, a movie set isn't that exciting. You know, once you've done it once or twice, it's like, there's a lot of just standing around watching guys with their ass hanging out the back of their pants, like <laughs> six lights, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like a fucking super exciting thing. So I think people just don't understand the, uh, the that it is, right. that it is work. And that even though it's kind of cool, like, you would have to be a real dipshit, I think, to <laughs> do one of these things and then just be, like, willing to just sign over your opinion, you know, in exchange yeah. for having done it. And most of the people I've ever met in this job or – and certainly anyone that I um, associate with through this job I, I don't think is is one of those people. Mm. And um, if, I, if I had liked the movie, I probably wouldn't have written the review i would have been concerned about i see how that would look and i wouldn't even want to open the door to that you yeah. know and we would we would have had options you know everyone from the from the site saw it but right uh i felt like um i you know i did have like probably one of the more middle of the road opinions of it yeah you know like uh yeah. jacob knight from our site was like this was like fucking Masters of the Universe level bad. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know 
if it was that bad, you know, I just thought it was if Masters of the Universe. I'll watch that one again. Right. I don't know that I'll, you know, re- revisit Dark Tower that much because it was kind of boring. Yeah, I read. But... I read your review. I read. Um, I think it was Mike. Ro- Mike Ryan's review was very mean. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it was the worst thing that's ever fucking happened. Uh, my buddy Lewis Peitzman, friend of the show, uh, he wrote a review for BuzzFeed, and he's a huge book fan. And he said it just is heartbreaking, and like you know, they they basically adapted all the wrong elements of it and left the good ones out. Um, which right. yeah, he makes a lot of good points because like I haven't read it, you know, but he like n- references all this shit that I noticed too, like random like nods to all hail the Crimson King and like a right. bunch of random references that meant absolutely nothing to me, but like are there to like what be a little nudge to the fans, the fans that they're already shitting on by not including those elements, <laughs> besides putting them on yeah. like graffiti on the wall. Right. Um. It's it's just. Is there a question in there? No, I'm just I'm I'm just amazed by. It seems like the whole thing is just Easter eggs of in jokes and like not nothing of substance from the it's actual just, book. It's ill advised from the ground up. It shouldn't like as soon as you make the choice. Well, this is going to be a movie. You fucked up, right? Yeah. So every choice that's made after that is is you're building a, a skyscraper on top of a swamp, basically. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it's it's not going to work. Really, no matter what you do with it, I think there's a there's certainly a better version of this movie. I can imagine something that's uh, I can imagine a literal adaptation of the first book um, that's real, like weird and sort of hallucinogenic, and but also a western, you know, like some sort of weird El Topo thing. That yeah, I would fucking love that. Uh, no one else would, and it wouldn't make any money. But um, I, so I guess in that sense, I can't imagine. It working like that, but um, well, hasn't you know, ha- it, hasn't the project bounced around un- like a, for many many years? Like, what's its history in terms of like being almost adapted? Well, years and years ago, like um, basically the creative team behind Lost, it was like Damon Lindelof, Hughes, J.J. Uh, Abrams, you know, flew out to Maine and they talked to Stephen King and they were like, Dude, we, "This is what we want to do next. We want to make this like." you know, either a movie or a TV show and they got the rights to it. And, um, they spent some years sort of trying to develop it. And then eventually they just threw up their hands and said, uh, we're scared of fucking this up. Like, and that's almost their exact words. You know, they were just like, we don't want to be the ones to, uh, to, to screw this one up. And they were probably kind of gun shy after what happened on the last season of lost, I would imagine. Um, and then, you know, uh, then Ron Howard sort of came into the picture and him and Akiva Goldsmith, uh, of all people, um, decided that they were going to take a crack at it. And I think it went from like Universal to Warner Brothers. And then, you know, it just kept stalling out. And so there were like years where um, it kept almost happening and then falling apart. And they wanted to dial back the budget. And then um, eventually Sony was like, we'll do it and we'll do it on the cheap. And, you yeah, know, it, uh, it didn't look like it cost very much, honestly. Well, I've heard, I've seen people like disputing the production budget of sixty million, and I'm kind of like, I think that looks like a sixty million dollar movie. I yeah. think In fact, it might be less. You yeah. Know, uh, totally. It's not like it's not a fucking Marvel movie, and it's not. You know? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not very good. It doesn't look good. It's not. It's pretty yeah. ugly. Yeah. Not at all. You know, it doesn't have any scope to it. You know, this this is a thing that should have been big and weird and just like 
you know, it has sweeping that, shots of deserts and yeah. weird shit, you know, crazy shit. And there's none of that. It has just, that weird, like muted, muted color palette. It's just like ugly to look at. I was really, it's a, uh, it was upsetting. <laughs> and it, it was like a muggle TV show, which is, <laughs> a, I know, a devastating thing to say, but that's, uh, <laughs> that, that is how it kind of felt to me. Like, I don't know. So, but, um, you know, uh, I think some of these people that are really going hard on it, I think, um, maybe they were caught off guard. Um, I've had well over a year of having things whispered in my ear about, you know, this is going on with the movie or that's going on with the movie. And I had sort of written it off. It was kind of like, there's no way that this can show up and, and deliver. But at the same time, I'm being, I'm trying to be hopeful about it. You know, I don't want to be, um, I didn't want it to be bad. Right. You know, I wanted to, you know, keep my fingers crossed about it, but in my heart of hearts, I think I knew like it's, there's, there's no way after all, all this crazy shit, like, um, it's gonna, it's gonna work. So if I had been like caught completely unawares, like I had never heard anything about it. And then just one day that movie showed up and then I went and saw it. I think I'd probably be furious too. Sure. I had had a long running start to. Um, you know, <laughs> coming to terms with it, I guess. All right. Um, what do you think about? Uh, you think it's going to be any good? Yeah, I do. Have um, you had anybody whispered I've, I've, anything in your ear about that? Yeah, I keep hearing that. Uh, you know, test screenings have gone really well. The studio's really happy with it. Um, I was sort of reluctant to believe it because uh, they hadn't signed the director for a sequel nor greenlit one. Right. I was yeah. kind of like. That seems really weird, especially since you know the budget on it is is pretty small, and it seemed like why wouldn't you just film them back to back? In fact, you yeah, know? I mean, and yeah. particularly after that first trailer came out and did like two hundred million views or something. I mean, it was clear that people are interested in that shit. Um, but then just a couple of weeks ago, they announced you know Muschietti would be back and the movie was a go and all that and. I'm not. Uh, I'm not quite sold. I'm not quite sold on that guy though, because what has he done besides Mama, which I think is very overrated. Do you like that movie? No, I don't like Mama. Yeah, it's um, really bad. What? Where is the praise for that movie coming from? I don't. I do not understand it. Genuinely. Well, the Kerry uh, Fukunaga did a draft. Kerry Fukunaga right. was going to make this movie. Right. And um, a couple of years ago, uh, whenever it was that he like walked off the project around that time. Uh, that script, I got, I got my hands on it, and it's one of the best scripts I've ever read. Like, Seriously, is that the one that has yeah. all the like the child rape shit in it, and like it's, there, there's none of that shit in it. That's like that's oh, really? a complete fucking myth. Oh. Yeah, there's there's, uh, there's some stories about that that I can't really talk about on record. Sure, um, but the script had had none of that in it. Wow, the version, the draft that I I did or I had, um, but it's. You know, again, it's one of the best scripts I ever read. I read it and was like, "Oh my god, this would have been a masterpiece! Like, this would have been like a fucking a classic horror movie if if that guy directed this script. Like, we uh, whatever the opposite of dodging a bullet is, taking a bullet, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it it sucks. And so when they left, I was kind of like, "Oh my god, they're gonna lose all of what made this good." And um, it's and and I didn't like Mama either, so I was really skeptical of that. And then we see the first photos of Pennywise, and you're like, "What the fuck are oh, they doing?" Yeah, him in the tunnel, um, him in the fucking tunnel or the pipe. Yes, the pipe. <laughs> oh yes. 
quite familiar with the pipe. Yeah, I know. I know you are. <laughs> and and uh, but then uh, a few months ago, someone sent me the shooting draft, and oh. you know what? It's actually pretty similar to the Fukunaga draft. Is, um, is his name it, still on it, or they took it off? Say what? Is his name still on the draft? No. Oh, no. interesting. Um, I think he may have a. I don't know how they how I don't think it was on the draft I read, and there may be some sort of arbitration that takes place afterwards that maybe it will be on the movie somewhere because sure. he did develop it for several years. And, yeah, um, the yeah. shooting draft was pretty close. Um, it makes some notable uh, additions and subtractions, but most mostly it's like um, I was reading it and I was sort of upset that it didn't read as well because it's a shooting draft. It's not like yeah. the spec that Fukunaga wrote that has like some real poetry to it, you know. So I was like, and I was being real grumpy because I love the <laughs> Fukunaga draft. So I'm reading it and I'm like, fuck this bullshit. But by the time I finished it, I was like, yeah, this will this this is gonna make a lot of money. People are gonna love this. It's it's like a it's um and it's definitely it's definitely one part of two as as a shooting yes. draft. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's just all the kids stuff, and then the second movie will be will all right. the, the adults. But I liked the uh, I liked that draft that I read, and which is like I never thought I would say that because I was such a big fan of the the previous draft. Right. Um, and um, everything I've just heard through the grapevine about you know uh, reactions people have had to it, people that I trust that have seen parts of it, um, or or you know, uh, test screenings, that yeah. sort of thing. It, it all sounds, it's got all the earmarks of a movie that's on its way to, if nothing else, being pretty good. And, um, I'll, I'll take it after dark tower. I'll take a pretty good. Yeah, for sure. King and I think the trailers are great. Like I fucking love the trailers. Yeah. I saw so, the, the newer trailer before the movie yesterday and it's very effective. I will say that. I think it's going to have a lot of jump scares and be like sort of a, I think it's going to be like um, um, uh, 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 a somewhat basic version of the the book, and the book's so intricate. You, fair enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's. I, I really believe it's going to be good, and I'm looking forward to it a lot. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining the show today, and I hope uh, you get to rant about Dark Tower on many more podcasts this week. Yeah, uh, I'm scheduled to. Uh, but uh, but but thank you for for having me on. Uh, I had a good time. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys later. 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 Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> I mean, do you have anything else to add besides? No, uh, Scott's uh, I think we said it all. This was a nice long one. Yeah. Um, we'll see y'all next week. I don't know what we're talking about. But Are we wrapping it up right now? I think so. Uh, well, you didn't hear my opinion. You haven't seen the fucking thing. And I think it looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have uh, something next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. All right. Hi, bye. No, you can't take it. No, you can't take it. No, you can't take that away.
It's not one